is crack, rock cocaine. It isn't glamorous or cool or kid stuff. It's the most addictive kind of cocaine, and it can kill you. Hello and welcome to the Gemcast on Hologram Radio. This is Alex Knight and I'm joined by Aline Sims, founder of the Less Than or Equal podcast and science fiction writer Kay Tempest Bradford. In season two, episode 14, Alone Again, 14-year-old Laura Holloway is brought to stay at Starlight Mansion after losing her parents in a car accident. Although musically talented, Laura feels lonely and has low self-esteem. When a boy at school named Bobby Braddock gives Laura pills, Laura becomes addicted to them. Stay tuned for an action-packed episode. Showtime, Synergy. All right, episode 40, written by Sandy Freeze. I'm going to assume it's freeze and not fries, because that would just sound weird. It could be fries. It might be it fries. Be, it could yeah, be fries. So this is how many episodes this season that are clearly like you have an educational TV mandate and you must, we have mandated that you must do this number of educational TV episodes. Right. This whole episode is one large PSA announcement. It's terrifying. It's a it is really dark episode. Probably, I'm just going to say this is the darkest episode in the entire series. I remember this real this episode had a serious impact on me when I did my first rewatch. Uh, it was a little over a year ago. I wrote an article about it, and to this day, this it's it's definitely hard to watch. I can't say I relate to Laura's uh, drug addiction problem because I never had a, an issue with that in in high school. I didn't really dabble with with drugs, but there's certain aspects of her that. Uh, that I can definitely relate to the um, the the lack of self-esteem, the feeling of apprehension going into a room with people that you don't know and uh, feeling that you don't have, that you're not as talented as the people around you, that maybe you're not as smart as the people around you. So I could really relate to that, as I'm sure many of the listeners can probably say the same as well, because we all have those those types of issues. Or many of us do anyways. I don't know. I don't know. This does not match my experiences, but, you know, the people who did drugs when I was in high school kind of kept it. They were pretty good about keeping it off off campus. So, yeah. Or, you know, maybe not off campus, but not. Well, I think the episode <laughs> in general, and we'll get into this, but I mean... Maybe you could say it's a it's a bit heavy handed because obviously they're they're trying to relay a message and sort of a moral to the story about about doing drugs and what the actual outcomes and effects there are not just on your yourself but on your friends and family around you. So, mm-hmm. but, but we'll, also just remember that this this was a very just say no type of. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, we open with social worker Mrs. Harding, who drops off Laura Holloway, an orphan whose parents recently perished in a car accident. The city has run out of room at their local housing facility, hence why Laura will be staying at Starlight Mansion for foster girls, at least for a few weeks anyways. Did either of you feel that when 
Mrs. Harding just walks in in front of the holograms and a bunch of people and just says, oh, this is Laura Holloway. Her parents died in a car crash. Did either of you feel that was a bit strange to just blurt that out? Like, why do you need to say that? Like, what does it matter? She's obviously an orphan. So the audience knows. Well, also that and I mean, even though the social worker does no social work in this entire episode and nobody calls her anything, it is a good idea to like let the adults who are going to be caring for this girl know where she's at right now. Like if she, you know, she's not just some random orphan. She literally lost her parents a month ago. If she had lost her parents like five years ago, she would be in a different place. But girlfriend lost her parents a month ago. And I do feel like actually that is very important information to give. So that everybody's like, so, hey, how long have you been an orphan? How you doing? Hi, hi, hi. Yeah, but like you don't do that. That's for the phone call with Jerrica exactly. before. Like, that's hey, kind of where I was kid. going with it. Yeah, yeah, her her parents just died. To say it right We're in front of the girl, I mean. Yeah, like, like it was to let the audience know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Yeah, should have been done in private, though. Yeah, I mean, we could have seen that call. That wouldn't have been... Yeah, exactly. Although, now we know that that social worker is very judgmental about rock and roll. Well, we don't really see the, show, the social she worker. She really is. Well, no, oh, she, my yeah. God. She comes in, she's like, what's that? Like, what's that racket? Right. Yeah. But like the rest of the episode, she's just kind of absent. She's like, there's no follow-up to see like, is Jerrica Benton and the Starlight girls, like, are they providing, you know, a good home, even though it's temporary? You know, how how is she doing? So look, these people are overworked and underpaid. And mm-hmm. and yeah, like, like I said, we'll get into it when we get into to okay. like the specifics of this episode, but there are many times at which that woman should have been called and nobody called her. Great. <laughs> uh, Jerrica just unplugged the phone line because she's irresponsible. Awful. <laughs> Jem notices that Laura brought a guitar with her and asks if she wants to jam with the holograms. Sheepishly, Laura explains she's not very good and would rather not. Jem offers to introduce Laura to the other Starlight orphans, but she is reluctant and admits to not being able to make friends very well, so she asks to go to her room. Laura makes her way into the recreation room where Ashley and Bonnie are competing in a ping pong match. Ashley invites Laura to play ping pong, but she declines, and Laura says, No thank you, I was just looking for the linen closet. Sure you were. Good way to get out of that, I guess. Poor kid. Yeah. I feel yeah, pretty bad for I, her. I feel for her. And then Ashley's a jerk. She's like, well, we tried. Like, um, yeah. honey, <laughs> I, come on, stop it. She's just, she's being dumb. She's being annoying. Ashley's yeah. being annoying in this episode. A little oh my bit, gosh. Yeah. So off character. So out of character for her. <laughs> Jerrica walks in and finds Laura clutching the ping pong paddle closely. When she's invited to lunch, Laura requests to be left alone. Jerrica tries to encourage her to talk, as sometimes that helps, but Laura admits she doesn't fit in. From her perspective, all of the other girls are prettier and more talented, and she feels she just can't measure up. Jerrica tries to console Laura and says that everyone has something they're good at, but she thinks that she just truly doesn't understand how she feels. 
And so she takes off uh, to a room so she can be left alone with her guitar, of course. And we get a music video mm. and a song written by Laura Holloway. But uh, it sounds like Tempest, did you want to add something to, to this before we go to the video? When we have Laura actually stating like what the problem is, she's like, all the other girls, they're prettier than me. They're more talented, whatever. And she states it so like with such strong conviction. And as with many things in this episode, a lot of stuff is compressed and shorthanded. Yes. Uh, so because we're just like, we're just getting through this, this drug thing. But the way that Laura is acting is beyond just sort of like normal teenage low self-esteem. Like as I was watching this episode again, I was really struck by the fact that Laura was so down on herself. I was like, has this girl been abused? Cause mm. that's really like the level at which she's talking about how she's not good at anything. Like, it's as if someone had been telling her, no, you're not good at this. Like, yeah, you're sitting there strumming that guitar, but you suck at it. You're terrible. Everybody else is prettier than you, you know, whatever. And of course, like it, it wouldn't necessarily be like somebody yeah. just saying those things. But like this feels yes. like a girl who has been suffering under somebody putting her down consistently for years. Yeah, she seems almost despondent, like just in the tone, the cadence of her voice, how quiet she is and just like it should it should be a red flag right away that this this girl really does need help well i mean i don't understand why she wasn't in counseling immediate like and, and again states right. child protective services type things are you know mm -hmm. i know that they do the best they can but it's like why doesn't Jerrica have like a counselor who comes in to do group therapy sessions? Like, I don't know. It, it's, it's weird to me. And I can see, um, you know, your parents just died. You're in this situation where you're like pubescent in a house with a bunch of other pubescent girls and like your world's been like turned upside down. You're, you know, you're spinning and there's nowhere to go and everything feels big and overwhelming and your self-esteem plummets. And like, I can totally see how that's plausible. Um, but I just keep coming back to why is she not immediately in counseling? Yeah. yeah Cause it's not like Jerrica Benton, a person with, with, uh, serious duality, like issues is it's not like she's qualified really to, uh, take the role of psychologist in, in, <laughs> in this situation. Right. She could have been like, Laura, let me introduce you to my therapist because she has made so much money off of me, let me tell you. <laughs> well, you know, Synergy has almost acted as a sort of uh, surrogate mother. So uh, maybe Synergy should just be the, uh, the on-premise uh, psychologist. She might be certainly less fallible than a human being. Well, those are all excellent points to bring up. So uh, at this point, we get a music video here. And this is a song written by Laura Holloway called Alone Again, which really sets the tone, not just for how she's feeling, but really the tone of the rest of this episode here. Uh, what did the two of you think of, of the uh, the video and, and the song in general? I thought personally it was, uh, I thought it was a really touching song. I thought it was really well done. And it was actually nice to hear a different person other than just Britta trying to do a different, um, you know, a, a different singing voice. They, they clearly brought in somebody else this time. I think it's a beautiful song. I liked it a lot. And it was, a, 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 it was a nice change of pace. I like different 
hearing different kind of tempos and different stylistic choices and that kind of thing. So, yeah, you know, acoustic, it's right up my alley. Right. And the, the acoustic guitar arrangement is certainly something that we, we typically haven't really heard. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things that I really have always loved about this song because it's not your it's not even a typical song for a German hologram show. Even when, you know, Ashley got to sing, Ashley and the Starlights were singing, it was still sort of the same, like, pop music, rock sort of stuff. Um, but this song, not only is it just really beautiful, it's such a different kind of song than we normally hear that that's one of the reasons why I really love it. And it's it really does get to, because even though Laura herself is, like, way deep into the, like, not having self-esteem so much that I was like, oh my God, she's been abused. But I feel like the song really sort of encapsulates that that more sort of universal feeling that you have when you're a teenager who doesn't fit in, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and hearing this song as like a preteen, I sang the song so much yeah. <laughs> as a preteen girl because, yeah, it, I was like, yes, I know that feeling. <laughs> Nobody understands me like you. Well, and it, it showcases perfectly that Laura is clearly way more talented than she actually thinks she is. So right. there's a huge disparity between how she sees herself and the actual talent that's there. And we get, and actually in this, it, that plays nicely in, into the uh, sort of the segue between the end of the video and this next scene here, because Gem and the Holograms overhear Laura singing and playing guitar, and it turns out that she is quite talented, even though she doesn't know it yet. And she gets invited to play a song with the Holograms at their upcoming concert, which is pretty cool, if you ask me. Uh, But she turns the offer down, saying she's not good enough, and packs up her guitar. Now, this next thing from Kimber, I this really pissed me off because Kimber tries to use reverse psychology to try to convince Laura to perform with the band and it does work, but she calls Laura a chicken. Right. Yeah. Reverse psychology. That was bullying or Mm -hmm. yeah, I guess that was bullying. Here's the, here's the other thing. Uh, while I do think that it, it seems pretty cool that like the rock band, the famous rock band that you live with is like, Hey, why don't you come? play with us because you sound beautiful and whatever. I'm also like, that is a lot of pressure to put on a 14 year old girl. Hey, you just said that you suck. So why don't you get on stage in front of thousands of people with a famous rock band and play your little song, you know? And, and I get that like they were trying to be nice and whatever. That's way too much pressure. See, this is, this is the other thing that bothers me about this episode is that Laura is under a lot of pressure that is not normal for a teenage girl. Right. So I mean, having your she turns to having hmm. your parents just die, and then suddenly all right. this pressure being thrust upon her. Right. So her turning to drugs actually is it makes all the sense in the world because she wouldn't have turned to drugs if she just had you know like Ashley you know a history test whatever like people are literally like your parents just died and also come on stage and play. Mm-hmm. Like, they set her up for this. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she, I mean, let alone dealing with the, the the cold reality that your parents are now no longer part of your life, your life, but, you know, you're being thrust into this environment of being surrounded by 
complete strangers, people that you don't know. They don't know how you're feeling. And on top of that, you've got people telling you, well, why don't you just play at this concert? You know, it's just like, like you're saying, it's way, this is way too much for a 14 year old in this particular scenario to to deal with it it's like she needs time to to grieve she needs time to process she needs counseling mm-hmm. like you can't mm-hmm. just expect somebody to go up on stage in front of thousands of people which i mean how many 14 year olds get that experience like very very it's very rare unless you become a child music star at an early age but i mean even then Yeah. And there's, uh, I just pulled this, this little piece of dialogue here that Laura says. She says, oh, great. Now I have a chance to mess up in front of the whole world. A concert in front of thousands of people. Maybe I'll get lucky. Maybe, maybe they'll, maybe they'll, <laughs> maybe there'll be an earth, earthquake or a typhoon and I won't have to play at that dumb concert. You know, I have oh. actually had those thoughts. <laughs> not not about playing at a concert, but just the the fear of you know going into a, like having to do a test or something, and just wishing something terrible would happen, like the school would burn down, or there there would be a snowstorm or something. Or maybe Jim and the holograms could just respect the fact that she said no, and shouldn't be trying to push her into it. Exactly. I don't know. Consent, consent, consent. Mm-hmm. At school the following day, we see Laura by herself wishing for a natural disaster so she can get out of having to play at the Gem and the Holograms concert. A boy named Bobby Braddock overhears Laura, who is talking to herself, and introduces himself. And just some dialogue here from this scene, because I, I think it's important. He... Uh, he comes across as very charming and it seems innocent at first until about halfway through and you realize how much of a scumbag this guy is. Uh, and he actually says, my name is Bobby Braddock. I guess you're the new kid, Laura Holloway. How do you know my name? Oh, I just sneaked a look at the list of new kids from the admission, uh, sorry, from the administration house. You're Laura Holloway, 14, and you're staying at the Starlight House. Why would you go to all that trouble to find out about me? Hey, I always make it a point to know the names of cute new girls at school. Like, ugh, this is So I gotta say that Bobby is actually one of the more perfectly written characters in the history of the show. Sure. Like, yes, all of those things. He is, and I was looking at him, and I was like, he's like a young Eric Raymond. Mm. You know, maybe he's actually one of Eric Raymond's younger, more successful brothers. (laughs) He's like a nephew or something. <laughs> Maybe. Because he actually he actually has that whole thing down, like the charm. And here, let me just give you this. Or let me just give you this other thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, looking up her information, though, I just thought immediately to myself, like, the fact that this person got all this personal information about you, where you live, how old you are, like, that's, I don't know. Isn't that kind of creepy? Yes. Incredible. <laughs> I mean... Yeah. But this next line really bothers me because Laura says, me, cute. And he says, would I kid you? Besides, I wanted to become friends with you because I care about you. And I want to help you with the concert that you're so worried about. 
So here's the thing. Um, I, I watch a lot of Criminal Minds because I I don't know. I just can't stop myself. Although I did stop myself at some point. So I was like, there's a lot of dead women here and I can't take it anymore. Mm-hmm. But yeah. one of the things that they talk about on Criminal Minds a lot, which even though it's a TV show, I'm pretty sure this is actually true. They talk about how serial killers are often just as good at profiling as the profilers from the behavioral analysis unit because they have to be because they have to be able to look at a person and assess whether or not they can get away with like you know pulling them into a dark alley or manipulating them getting them into their you know manipulating them into their car whatever you have to if you're that kind of person that preys on people in whatever manner you prey on people you have to be really good at reading people and knowing exactly which buttons to push and then pushing them. And mm-hmm. this, again, this is why I say Bobby Braddock is like one of the better written characters because that is exactly what he does. Like he cottons on to everything about Laura in, in seconds, you know, just to be able, you know, he, he's like, that's a girl that I can target. And, and I have no, even though it seems really easy, I have no trouble believing that that would be easy for that kind of dude. Oh no, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I've seen people like this and, uh, the way they wrote Bobby Braddock, I think is very realistic. I mean, there are people that are like this, that are just professional manipulators and they are charming and that's how they get these people. But, uh, yeah, in this scene, we actually see that Bobby's got a little gift, uh, for Laura here in the form of some pills. And of course, at first, she's a little hesitant to accept them, but he's like, you know, come on, they're free. It's a gift from me to you. You know, I'm going to be at that concert. And this is where the, the manipulation gets in because he he recognizes that Laura is obviously insecure about her own looks, but it, it is very likely attracted to him. And he is, a, obviously, they drew him in a way that you can tell, like, he's a good looking guy. And she's like, you will. And he says, well, don't you want to play your uh, play your best for me? And that's where it gets a bit sinister. Later in the evening, Laura takes the pills Bobby gave her in the privacy of her own bedroom. Almost immediately, she starts to experience the effects of the drugs. She begins feeling a little lighter, a little faster. Laura picks up her guitar and strums a few discordant-sounding chords, then puts it down again. Reality begins to bend around her as inanimate objects suddenly transform and become animate. Laura is hallucinating and after seeing a bird come to life, she decides she wants to fly too. Laura opens the bedroom window and steps out onto the ledge, coming very close to losing her footing and falling to her death. Jerrica sees what's going on. She tries to talk her down unsuccessfully so she runs up to the bedroom breaks down the door and catches her just in time as a brick under her foot comes loose this is there are a lot of things about intense this scene. stuff there's a lot, there to, a lot of things to, to, to break down here let's start with one of the things that really annoyed me about the way that we were taught about the dangers of drugs in the 80s was how they they seriously acted like like, yeah, like that was going to be your experience. You took some pill and 50 seconds later you were hallucinating. And and by the way, Alex, I believe that the term you were actually supposed to use was tripping balls because she was tripping balls. Uh, yeah. The, you know, like with every, just all the hallucination and stuff. 
but that's not actually how it happens. I don't even know. Like it was it, creepy. It I mean, the guitar, the, tr- the just the way they animated. Her, <laughs> yeah, it was really creepy. But like, it also, it, I understand that the message here is, hey, don't do drugs. But they spent a lot of time in the Just Say No era mm-hmm. telling us lies about how different drugs would affect you. Mm-hmm. And also, it's all just sort of like drugs, pills. You know, that is never... Right, never what, specifics. What are those pills? Like, what are right? they? Right, because I think that created a bit of fear even back when there there was a lot of misinformation or, or no information at all about the effects of marijuana, for example. So there there was possibly a lot of fear about, oh, marijuana is terrible. It's going to fry your brain, right? And of course, we we later discovered many years later that that was not the case. But in the 80s, there was so much mis- misinformation, like you're saying, all these PSA announcements, but it just they were never specific about what types of drugs are the the real dangerous ones that you could avoid uh, or that you should avoid. So, yeah, I mean... Oh, I'm sure that Nancy Reagan would say all drugs everywhere mm, are dangerous. Right. Mm. Don't take that aspirin. Don't do it. We also got to yeah. talk about this other stuff. Sure. So, first of all, Laura steps out of that window onto the ledge. Why are there potted plants there? Who put potted plants on the third floor ledge? And more importantly, the shoddy construction of this house that the brick came loose. Look, Howard Sands did not say that it was a well-built mansion. Why do you think he wanted to give it away? Why do you think he wanted to give it away in a contest so he could move elsewhere? Exactly. So also Jerrica has the strength of like 20 gorillas because she's like on also that precarious crumbling down ledge as well yeah well jerica was on speed she catches her with one hand and yanks her back up into that room and i was like "Ah, where was that strength before because there have been times when when kimber has been hanging off of stuff and she didn't get pulled up like that i'm just saying it was sheer adrenaline sheer adrenaline jerica explains to laura that she was hallucinating she isn't a bird she's laura holloway but Laura is disappointed to find out that she's not a bird and just plain old Laura Holloway. Jerrica probes her if she's been taking anything, but Laura lies on multiple fronts. She says she hasn't been taking drugs and that she doesn't have a problem. Perhaps she was just pretending. Belligerent, she defies Jerrica and tells her to call the police. All right, so I keep feeling like I say that a lot, but... Jerrica is a terrible mother. She's a terrible <laughs> foster mother. Because yes. that the first call she should have made, not necessarily to the police, but should have been to the social worker to say, okay, I think that Laura has some drugs. Yep. And this is a problem, and we need to get her into some counseling right away. And not even to like send her to jail or anything. It would be like, well, you know, it's understandable how maybe she could have turned to some drugs because everything is awful and everything hurts. But she didn't. She's like, well, I'll just take care of this myself. It's like, you know what, Jerrica, this whole thing you have about taking care of stuff yourself. No, like sometimes right. well, and she doesn't worker. need to. I don't know why that she's she's obsessed with like, you know, controlling everything. It's like there there are other people you can reach out to to help. You know, I mean, there. Which ironically, she tells Laura. Right. Right. Uh, oh, Instead God, of being yeah, the grown right. up. I didn't realize that at the time. 
But I mean, it's a big mansion. There are a lot of orphans. I mean, I've said this before, and I know we've discussed this, but I mean, other than Mrs. Bailey, I mean, you would think that they would have other people to staff like this place to to look after these girls. Like and like you were saying earlier, you know, why don't they have a, a psychologist that that comes? Out? I mean, not necessarily to to go there every day, but you know, once in a while, have somebody show up. All in all, I think just things are just poorly run here but I don't think that's news to anybody. At school the next day, Bobby is pushing Laura on the swings, and she tells him the pills he gave her made her hallucinate. He hands her some new pills, guaranteed to not make her hallucinate and help get through the concert. They were the same pills. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know about that. They looked the same, certainly. Right, that was the other thing. I'm like, if you're going to have him giving her multiple pills, like, can you make them different colors? Colors, I feel like... There, there are specific colors that go with some specific mm-hmm. pills. They could have mm-hmm. even made them like those colors. They're like, okay, this is acid. We're not going to say acid. Maybe because it's children's television. They weren't allowed to act. Right. Yeah, they, they were red and white pills at the beginning. They could have maybe made the other ones blue and white. Later in the evening at Starlight Mansion, Laura is seen taking the new pills Bobby gave her. We see a montage displaying how Laura is unable to complete her usual chores around the house without stumbling. Unable to sleep. She tosses and turns and wakes up at around 4 a.m. and decides, well, if she can't sleep, she's going to play guitar. Strumming the instrument, we hear a cacophony of sound. But to Laura's ears, she truly believes the pills are making her play better than ever. Some of the other Starlight girls are awoken by Laura's playing, but when they ask what's going on, she becomes aggressive and agitated, completely unwilling to stop playing. And Ashley, uh, of course, comes in and she's fed up and attacks Laura, trying to pull the guitar away from her. And then Jericho walks in and and, uh, grounds both Ashley and Laura for a week, then demands they all go to sleep. Now, just I just want to say as an aside here, uh, if you pay attention to the animation, I think this is around the point where they slowly start to add a little more detail to Laura's face to make her just visually look like the drugs are starting to take their toll. And they do get progressively worse. Like she starts to become more and more emaciated as the episode progresses. I couldn't mm-hmm. tell if that was like a thing they were doing intentionally or if it was just yeah. inconsistency. Well, they, they made her look gaunt, like just sunken cheekbones yeah. and stuff like that and her bags yeah, over I, her, her eyes and stuff. I thought that it, that they were doing it purposefully because yeah, like progressively she gets more like old lady looking, which is I guess the, the code for yeah. she's on drugs. So yeah, I but I do want to say here, Erica, Erica, Jerica once again shows us that she is a terrible mom. Cause she just comes and she's like, "You're grounded." Like, well, d- how, can we talk about how this fight started? Can we talk about how maybe Ashley is a little bit in the right here to be beating up somebody who woke them up at four o'clock in the morning with terrible guitar nonsense? Did, did you even ask what the fight was about? Like, just. Uh, yeah, there's so many things wrong with this. So many things. Agreed. Uh, you know, I know Jerrica. I mean, first of all, Jerrica isn't a parent. She doesn't have her own kids. But one would think, now I guess I'm being too optimistic here, but one would think that somebody that is in charge of the livelihood of all of these orphans would eventually, over time, 
start to learn a few lessons here and there about how to sort of act like a parent because you are taking care of these kids. But no, no. Two seasons in, she's learned nothing. Well, who knows what she was like at the very, very beginning. The next morning at breakfast, when Laura is asked to pass the orange juice, uh, she grabs the pitcher and it slips and makes a big mess. And she becomes very hostile, asking why everyone always blames her for everything. And note the fact that nobody really, like, other than just being upset that she spilled orange juice, she, <laughs> like, no, no one starts really screaming at her. So the drugs are starting to take their toll on her. Well, that, or, as I previously hypothesized, abusive family right. life. Mm. Maybe. Maybe because, you know, like her first reaction is to freak out because she spilled some juice and Bonnie was like, ah, and I'm like, that just says to me that she was expecting to get a lot of yelling. Laura runs to her room in desperation and begins to tear it apart as she tries to find her pills, claiming she can't live or play music without them. After trashing the room, she finds the pills on a desk and breathes a sigh of relief. But unfortunately for Laura, the package is empty and she freaks. Jerrica goes up to Laura's room to investigate, but when she asks Laura what's going on, she denies there's any problem. And it's very clear to Jerrica at this point that Laura has a drug addiction. Jerrica's help is rebuffed and Laura runs off. Laura picks up her guitar as she's going into withdrawal and believes that she can no longer play. They're really trying to hammer home <laughs> to the audience at this point. Mm-hmm. What happens when right, you actually... When you go through withdrawal. Exactly. Exactly. But again, Jerrica has... She's like, I know what's going on with you. Well, then why haven't you called children's service? It doesn't seem like she has any experience dealing with people, at least from what we know, that have a drug addiction. And so she should have, at this point, in reality... Or from Starling Music, whatever. Yeah, she should have... take care of children. Yeah. She should have called for help. No. Call for help. Exactly. At school, Laura meets up with Bobby and tells him the latest pills he gave her really helped her with playing guitar. Bobby tells her to keep her voice down, and she asks him for more. This time, the free ride is over for Laura, as he tells her it will be $30 for additional pills. Laura simply doesn't have the money and begs Bobby for more. And of course, we're basically Laura at this point is thrust into a nightmare. Speaking of nightmare, we get the Gem mm. and the Holograms music video called Nightmare. And this is a repeat and rehashed song. However, I think the, the song and the new video that we get works really well it is this is a <laughs> creepy this is a really it disturbing really music video yeah i mean you got yes, the, it is. the giant pills like chasing her and you know she's oh it's just it's it's terrible she's like at one point in the video she's in a glass cage on a stage and the the, the glass walls collapse and then she's you know just all of her fears just completely coming true yeah, and also like that weird bit at the end where there's like an eye in the sun oh, that and was she's the like worst. stranded in a desert. And I I I think that 
some time ago and I forgot to do it before this podcast. So forgive me, podcast listeners. But I feel like that was some specific imagery from some <laughs> drug thing in the 80s where they were like, and then, you know, like it, it symbolizes something that I forgot to look up before we started. But I was just like, that is, why are we putting this really weird specific imagery in this video? <laughs> like, it's really trippy. It's really trippy. Yeah, it was really trippy. You know, but one thing I mm-hmm. forgot to mention um, earlier, but we don't often actually have Misfits or, or Gem and the Hologram songs used as incidental music in this show. Every now and then it happens, but not very often. But it happens at least twice in this episode because we hear the nightmare music way before good we catch, actually get good this catch. video. I did notice yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, and so and then there was another point at which they were playing a Misfits song, which now I can't remember what it was, but it was something else that was happening, like happening with Laura, and so this Misfits song was playing, and I was like that, and it was a really good use of the instrumentals from those songs yes. as as incidental music to like sort of, you know, go with what was going on because I think like the first time we heard the nightmare music was when she took the pills and then she started hallucinating. Mm-hmm. And and so yeah, I I was like, "Oh, I wish they would do this more. I wish that they would use the music from, you know, earlier in the show to highlight what's going on on screen even if that that song is not in the episode although in this case it was." Mhm. Yeah, that was a really nice detail. Really nice detail and definitely something that should have been used more often, I think. Well, after the video, we see Laura stealing money from Jerrica's purse, but Jerrica catches her in the act. Laura manages to escape and heads to school, desperately trying to find Bobby Braddock. Ashley bumps into Laura and tells her that she's been a big jerk, but Laura is unable to focus. And she's just absolutely hell-bent on finding Bobby because he's the, quote, only one who understands, end quote. Yeah, that's sad. Yeah, it's just like a long spiral into madness. (laughs) It's just getting worse But also, I just got to say, Laura's I'm stealing from the purse of the lady game is really off because Jerrica just wandered in that room. Right. And I'm like, oh, girl, like, take the purse, go in a closet, and then put the purse back and run. Like, what are you doing? Oh, my God. Well, she's she's desperate and I don't know. (laughs) Bet she'll do better next time. No, that's how you learn, right? Mm-hmm. Like you get caught and then you learn how to be sneakier and then you get caught again. Not that I have experience. Um, no, not at all. Yeah, right. So Bobby bumps into Ashley and ends up using the exact same come on lines as he did with Laura. As what a bo- jerk. Yeah, this guy's a slime ball. As Bobby tries to convince Ashley, the sooner she passes the history test, the sooner he can treat her to a movie. We see Laura eavesdropping on the conversation and tears are running down her face. It's very clear that, um, you know, she's she's listening to this whole conversation and, I mean, we'll find out later, but, I mean, she... <laughs> I can't imagine how terrible she must feel at this point. Like, she's just being duped into, you know, being she's being peer pressured into this situation and, right. you know, and initially, like, you know, again, this goes back to the whole thing about these these types of people that are, you know, charming and intelligent and manipulative, and they're able to profile people and prey on them, on, on their weaknesses. But I'm sure at the time, Laura felt really special that, oh, 
I can't believe a boy at school is actually paying attention to me and thinks that I'm actually cute. And then she realizes she's devastated that it's just all an act. But of course she still needs him. Yeah. Right. And there was that there was a whole weird thing where, you know, when she went up to him, he's like, oh, it's you. I was a little bit surprised by that only because, of course, she's going to come back to you, Bobby, because that's the way you set this up. Why are you acting weird around her? It's again, yeah. we, we have this whole thing where like everything is too, too compressed. Like the fact mm-hmm. that Laura is like, it's not even been a week. It's been something like three days or something, sure, right? Sure. Because. They said, oh, yeah, our concert's in a week, and this is before the concert. Mm -hmm. So it's been three days. And in three days, she's become completely addicted to the pills, and she can't stop. And I'm like, okay, three days is not the irreversible you're addicted to the pills. But but we're doing this, you know, back after school special, you know, this is this is how this goes. So it it would have it it would have made more sense for it to have been you know, a, a more drawn out them having an actual relationship as opposed to three days, whatever. But this is what we get because it's 22 minutes. I, I think, you know, for with the time frame that they had, though, could they not have at least put like a caption on the screen that says like, you know, three months later or something like that? Like could have done something like that, like a time lapse, at least to, to inform the audience that some considerable time has passed. Maybe that doesn't really seem to be their style, though. No, <laughs> no, clearly. But it would have made more sense. Jerrica arrives at school to search for Laura and finds her on the steps of the school, crying. Laura apologizes to Jerrica for stealing the money. And on the ride home, Jerrica tells Laura that she has a serious problem that she'll need to go to group therapy to try and recover. Laura explains how she got the pills from Bobby Braddock at school. And... I gotta say, th- Jerrica's reaction to this is really odd. She's just kind of like, oh, yeah, really? Oh, okay. I mean, didn't didn't either of you feel that that was just a bit odd? Like, for me, I would have been, like, outraged. Mm-hmm. I'm like, let's go find this kid now. In group therapy, Laura claims the session is dumb and impertinently refuses to admit that she has a problem. One of the other recovering addicts takes the opportunity to question her on all the aspects of her life that she's having troubles with. Can she go a day without dope, without causing issues with her friends, without stealing money for more pills? Laura is surprised at how much the other girls seem to know about her life, but they explain it's not because they're mind readers, but because they were once addicts as well. Okay, but it's been three days. I'm sorry. This is, this is the point at which I was just like, guys, it's been three days. They're like, can you stop with the dope? Can you go one more day? Can you not steal from people? It's, like, it's been three days. Okay. Right. <laughs> and I'm sorry. She took $30 from a purse once. Because this is a very serious thing. It, right, she took bad. $30. And also, I was like, it was only $30? My God. So, so yeah, like... It, I, once again, we have come up against this. We have to compress this whole thing, but it it's been three days. I don't think that it's that bad yet. Elsewhere at the Tilt Arcade, we see Bobby approach Ashley and Laura as they exchange money for drugs. But this is a ploy to catch Bobby in the act. And so he's arrested. A police officer thanks Ashley for wearing a wire, and Laura ends up apologizing to Ashley for being a jerk, and of course, Ashley accepts the apology. And we end this episode with Laura performing with Jim and the Holograms. 
And Jim announces to the crowd and credits Laura for writing the song. And of course, we get the final music video by Jim and the Holograms called Look Inside Yourself. I think this one's a repeat too, right? No, no, it's not. No, this it's is, a new song. This is original to this episode. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's mostly standard fare. I mean, um, you know, it's mo- the video is mostly footage from the concert. Yeah, but the the footage that's original is kind of interesting. And and again, when I was thinking about like the whole eye in the sun thing from the last <laughs> video, um, right? There's also this this shot of Laura sitting in a field meditating like she's sitting in a very specific like meditation pose and her her heart is beating and like there's this representation of her heart beating and i was like somebody gave some notes to the animators that made this a a especially interesting sort of like weirdly spiritual Hmm. uh episode because Mm -hmm. of all this imagery and then the whole thing about like you know looking deep down within yourself and whatever the lyrics are a little cheesy like you can tell what they were going for and you could tell that what they were going for was actually like a good message but they were like we got five minutes to write this song deep down within you there's feelings to explore yes write it (laughs) what did you think yeah it it was fine um again it it was kind of a little it it seemed like a bridge between (laughs) well Maybe a little, but it was it was kind of a bridge between the first song and a normal dr- Jim and the Holograms song, you know, like it was a little of both. So that was kind of interesting. But yeah, I don't know if they talked to like Alcoholics Anonymous and got inspiration or or what belief in a higher power. And well, that is the end of this episode. Uh, so I just wanted to sort of open up the uh, conversation here and, and, and ask the two of you if you had any other closing comments or thoughts, how you felt about this ep- episode. Did you think this was one of the strongest episodes this season? I know for me, and I've said this before, that this is one of my favorite episodes. Uh, I'm not sure if I would rank it number one. It, it very well maybe That's something I'd have to reevaluate. But this episode is definitely i would say at the very least the most memorable episode it had the most the biggest impact for me for those who don't remember i don't remember jim and the holograms from the 80s like watching it when i was little so all of this um with the exception of like a few scenes in one episode i don't remember any of this and so watching this as an adult it was very disturbing like this whole episode was really really disturbing to me um, like, this is a kid show? What? Yeah, yeah. I, I was kind of doing some of that. I don't think we've laughed a whole lot, which is appropriate, but I like the episodes where we all laugh, at, you know, to one another or whatever. Did you, so, think that, did you think that the message was a bit heavy-handed? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Someone help me. It was heavy-handed. It yeah. was Tempest, do you Bad. want to step in here? Or unless, <laughs> were you, or maybe, maybe her silence is she's saying, she's trying to tell us she's absolutely 100% satisfied. There are no flaws in this episode. It's the best ever, right, Tempest? Uh, no, my silence was just uh, I'm shocked. Some stuff, technical difficulties, but also just, uh, you know, I'm very much in agreement with Elaine. You know, it's just, it's a little compressed. And so I feel like as an adult, I look at it, I'm like, I don't know about that. I remember as a kid sort of being vaguely aware that like, yes, this is your standard, like, oh, after school special, the episode about drugs. But what I what I do remember taking away from it was 
really just specifically a lot about Laura and and her feeling inadequate and how that was at the the heart of why she was able to be lured into drugs by this jerk face Bobby and mm-hmm. how a girl who doesn't feel inadequate because she has already been through her I feel inadequate stage and come out of it because you know the misfits uh doesn't fall for that and so and and I feel like that that kind of takeaway as a kid like I sort of got it but as an adult I'm like hmm because there's so many things that are going on with Laura that are sort of unaddressed because it's all shorthanded like this you know the pathological um self-hatred which i i still am just like that is the kind of thing that happens when you're an abused person as opposed to just going through the natural stages of maybe you don't feel totally you know in place everywhere maybe you don't feel you're good enough i feel like there are many teenagers you know it's not all teenagers who do go through some form of that but laura's was just so extreme and i wonder if that was intentional or if they were just like we have to make it really extreme so that the you know, we get the point across. Like, I don't know. Well, you know, I, I think that because this is a kid's show and originally the the audience, that the intended audience of the show when it aired were, you know, really young kids. So, and I, I think there was a bit maybe overcompensation to, like you're saying, make this really extreme to drive the point across because because you're you're not an adult, you may not get, understand or get the nuances of what they're trying to say. So it has to be like, it has to be really, really obvious. And of course now, you know, as an adult watching this, of course we're going to say, well, you know, the the whole, me- some of this is a bit, it's a bit hokey. It's a bit unspecific with the drug thing, what she's taking, what the actual effects would be. It's a bit heavy handed, but of course that's from the, you know, we're looking at that through the lens of of uh, of an adult looking at a show that was made for for a young, a really young audience. But you know, I have a theory: the misfits are completely absent in this episode. Do you think maybe it's because I they were strung I'd be out? Happy. Oh god, they're completely strung out. I thought I'd be so happy that you know, I was like, oh, there are no misfits. It doesn't seem like there are going to be any misfits, and I was like, ooh. A different kind of storyline, and instead of the end, I was kind of like, I kind of wish this was a Misfits episode. So, I don't know. I would have loved to see like Pizzazz completely strung out, I just hammered. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. I can't even imagine. Oh. Drugs are bad. Don't do drugs. No, this exactly. Is, this is our public service announcement. That's right. That's right, kids. Not not if you're Pizzazz. <laughs> Well, you've been listening to the Gemcast on Hologram Radio. I'm Alex Knight, and I'm joined by Aline Sims, as always, who can be found, well, she can be found on Twitter at A-L-E-E-N, and she has a lovely podcast at Relay.fm forward slash L-T-O-E, which stands for Less Than or Equal, which is her podcast where she interviews interesting uh, geeky people from t- from game developers to software developers to other all sorts of people from different ethnicities genders people mm-hmm. all the all that sort of stuff totally true this week's episode is with one of my favorite or with the author of one of my favorite books so i was really really excited and one of the things that we talked about was um writing other cultures appropriately um and and like Maybe you should do some research. Um, 
So I thought that was really interesting in light of some other things that have been happening with other authors who maybe didn't do that. Um, but it's it's a good show. I liked I liked this episode. Why don't you tell the listeners uh, what episode this is and who it was that you actually had on? This is episode, I believe it's 83 with Helene Wecker. She wrote The Gollum and the Genie. Wow. 83 episodes. I know, right? Yeah, it feels like, because I know I've been listening since since the first episode. It just doesn't feel like that long ago. Do you feel the same way? Uh, or does it feel like a, like a decade <laughs> ago for you? No, it doesn't feel that long. I started it in June of 2014, um, and I was bi-weekly for a while, which is why the numbers don't add up. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. Sometimes it feels like I've been doing it like forever and ever. Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't. It just kind of depends. <laughs> Great. And people can also find your writing at aleanmean.com. But, uh, but I, I guess you're, cause you write less frequently there. You're, I guess it's fair to say that you're more of a podcaster, more, more of a fan of the spoken word than the written word. Um, that would be inaccurate. It's just nope. that I write all day long for my day job. <laughs> right. So and you're so just I don't exhausted. Have, right. I don't have the, the writing headspace mm-hmm. to be able to write for my blog. Yeah. Well, there are so there are only so many hours in the day, so to have to, when your job is writing all day, then getting home and podcasting every once in a while, and then it's just like, well, how much time do I really have left to devote to personal time? Well, that and just you know, there's I don't know, it it just uses a different kind of energy sure. um, to write than it does to yeah. to speak or to play Splatoon or <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah. whatever. Oh, indeed. And speaking of writing, I know Tempest knows all about writing. Tempest, uh, uh, your website is ktempestbradford.com with links to all of your social media. You're on Twitter at Tiny Tempest and uh, your Tempest uh, Tempest Challenge videos. You're still doing those, right? I am still doing those. Why don't they, you actually give people a refresher of what, what that is? Because I'm sure there might be one or two people that are not subscribe to your youtube channel and shame on you if you aren't so why don't you tell the people right. what it's all you about need to go to youtube.com slash k tempest bradford um so the tempest challenge is essentially i wrote a, an article a year ago it's been a year for an article a year ago when i was like hey why don't you try spending a year not reading books written by straight cisgender white men because they take up a lot of space in the publishing world even though straight sensitive white men are actually kind of like a small part of the number of people who write books. So spend the year reading books by women, spend the year reading books by people of color, spend the year reading books written by lesbian, gay, or bisexual people, spend the year reading books by trans transgender people, all those things. And so the Tempest Challenge videos are where I recommend books to you that are by authors who are not straight cisgender white men. And so it doesn't mean that there are never any white men because I'm actually about to do a video uh, on a book by David Gerald, who is a white guy, but he's gay. And so he's not straight. Um, And there are like lots of women and women of color. And I get people on to be like, this is the book that I love and here's why. And it's really great. So you should watch my videos. Great. And uh, Tempest, uh, you have your own Patreon page. Did you want to plug that? I suppose I could plug that. Yes. I'm on Patreon. 
Um, I actually have only soft launched my Patreon. I haven't done the hard launch, but GemCast listeners can go to patreon.com slash Bradford. And actually, one thing I'm doing for my Patreon patrons is that I used to do um, a gem rewatch every week where I would get on Twitter and I would watch the episode that we were about to podcast about. And I would sit there and I would like give my color commentary. It would be so hilarious. But now I'm doing a thing where if you are one of my Patreon patrons at any tier level, then you can come into like a room with me, uh, a virtual room, and we can watch a gem together. And then you can watch me like type my color commentary there. And that's for Patreon patrons only now. That sounds fantastic. So yes, everybody go... Check that out and check out Tempest's new podcast on the Hologram Radio Network called The Right Gear. If you're into technology and pens and writing and all of that nerdy stuff, uh, you can check that out at hologramradio.org forward slash the right gear. And as far as I'm concerned, the only thing I'm going to plug uh, this week is a, a article that I wrote about this episode, Alone Again. You can find that at zerodistraction.com forward slash alone dash again. As far as this show is concerned, you can support the Gemcast and the entire network by going to our Patreon page. And we couldn't do it without you. So please go to patreon.com forward slash hologram radio and donate. You can also subscribe to the show in iTunes or your favorite podcast player of choice to ensure you get every single episode every week when we release them on Wednesday evenings. And if you're in iTunes, why don't you take a moment to uh, leave us a five-star rating or drop a comment in there because the more people that rate the show, the easier it is for new people to discover the show. And we could always always lose... Uh, always lose... We could always use a few uh, new listeners and and uh, ratings because it's actually been a while. I think the last person that rated the show was back in December. So if you're listening and you haven't rated the show, please do it. You can also support the show by checking out our Amazon links at hologramradio.org forward slash sponsors. And since most of us tend to shop at Amazon these days, why not use our Amazon links? We've got links for the UK, USA, and Canada. So click on either of those that makes sense for you. And there's no additional work on your part. It's just that every time you buy something, then we get a, uh, a small portion of the sale. You can also follow the show on Twitter. We're at Gem Podcast. We're also on Facebook.com forward slash Gem Podcast on Instagram at Hologram Radio Shows. And you can also email us for feedback by sending us an email to gemcast at hologramradio.org. And that goes to all three of us. Well, that is it for this week. Show's over, Synergy. <laughs>